College Football Today. About an hour away from the start of week number two kickoff. Doesn't get better than this. Four top 25 battles later tonight. Separation Saturday. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello breaking it down. Rich, we talked about some of the key matchups, but there's an intriguing battle we do want to get in touch with. Lamar Jackson and Louisville. Gabe brought it up on the road in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. Not impressed last week with North Carolina's offense. They lost 219 total receptions, 2,634 receiving yards, and 21 touchdowns with the losses of Elijah Hood, TJ Logan, Ryan Switzer, Bug Howard, and Mac Hollins. They looked very inefficient offensively yeah. last week. Yeah, I mean, they bounced between quarterbacks. You know, is, is, is it going to be Brandon Harris? Is it going to be Chaz Surratt? I don't think it matters at this point i i think they're going to struggle on offense they you know you mentioned all the skill position talent that's gone but how about the defense Terrible. I, I mean cal was breaking in a new quarterback in ross bowers you know they made him look like jared goff i know I mean, it was ridiculous it was at home they lose to a cal team that quite frankly isn't going to be there until 2018 i love justin wilcox i like that game didn't think they'd win it outright i thought that would be a cover for cal uh, so North Carolina's in trouble. They're in rebuilding mode. I, I don't think it bodes well against Lamar Jackson. And Louisville, Gabe brought up a good point when he was on. You know what? They bounced back. They won in Indianapolis against a game Purdue team. Louisville's got better speed on defense. I do disagree. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game because I think North Carolina is going to struggle to score. Louisville could run away and hide in this game. Well, a couple of things about that matchup. Gene Chizik's departure. You had a defensive coordinator that had an, a defensive philosophy, moved on to take a, a break from football. And more importantly, this is an ACC game. So I expect them to be into this ball game early. But I was very impressed with Reggie Bonifant last week, moving from wide receiver back to now to the running back position, the former quarterback, he's a very elusive runner that can add some depth with Lamar Jackson's uh, athleticism. Yeah, if he, if he was a baseball player, he'd be a utility player. Yeah. I mean, where does Reggie Bonifant not play? Not quarterback. Yeah, yeah, not quarterback. <laughs> he began as a quarterback, went to wide receiver, now he's a running back. But, you know, Lamar looked good. I, I, I thought Lamar, it was Purdue, so let's kind of tap the brakes on, on him being a complete quarterback at this point. But Lamar did look, he looked thicker to me. He looked more poised in the pocket. And if if you have a threat from Lamar Jackson from a passing perspective, he's going to be unstoppable again this year. So I think North Carolina is in full rebuilding mode. It's going to be a tough year for Larry Fedora, and I don't think it helps to be hosting Lamar Jackson. I agree with you. Lamar Jackson, 30 of 46, 378 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked like a confident quarterback. Even when they were down in that matchup, he knew that he could bring that team back. And now with Florida State taking a minor step back, and depending on what happens in Death Valley later today, you could be looking at a team in Bobby Petrino that could have the inside track if everything falls their way a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, to, to, be, to be the next best thing to Clemson. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what Bobby's shooting for, for but sure. This is what it's all about. When Rich and I come back, we'll be getting in more in depth about some of the top 25 battles like Nebraska and Oregon. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. the final stretch run before we kick it off for week number two rich and i talked about louisville and north carolina both like louisville in this matchup i think they win this ball game by double digits you do as well right i do I yeah, do. yeah i think they dominate from a speed perspective intriguing battle taking place in outson stadium oregon everybody 170 different types of uniform combinations for this ball game rematch of last year that nebraska won 35 to 32 was also the game that Royce Freeman tore his ACL. He came back last week, 150 rushing yards per, uh, on the ground last week in that win. But I like Nebraska here. Physicality, offense and defense aligns. I know they allowed 415 passing yards to Arkansas State. But to me, I think they can run the football on a suspect Oregon defense. Alas, we agree. Huh, yeah, finally. I, took I, an hour. Listen, Two I, hours. I think Oregon wins. I don't know if you're predicting a no. Nebraska victory. Yes. Nebraska victory. I, I totally disagree there. I, I, think, I think Oregon gets the win. And I, and I think this could be a good first season for Willie Taggart. But my concern is two touchdowns? I mean, Oregon made a great hire with Jim Levin on defense, but he still inherited last year's personnel. So this is a middling Oregon defense that'll be going up against Tanner Lee and Trey Bryant. Trey Bryant went for over 190 yards on the ground against Arkansas State. Now, my concern with Nebraska, and it's a concern for Bob Diaco, is the defense is horrible. I mean, they're they're adjusting very slowly to the 3-4. The secondary has problems. Chris Jones, who is injured, was supposed to be their best defensive back, will not be playing for some time, may not play this season. So Nebraska has issues on defense. That'll play into the hand of both Royce Freeman, Justin Herbert, and that offensive attack of Oregon. I think it's a high-scoring game, but in, in a sort of a shootout back and forth, give me those 14 points. That looks like a, looks like an early Christmas present. I'm glad that you said that he inherited that talent from last year because that talent in Oregon was not good defensively. They allowed 41 points per game, Rich. I mean, that was their highest total since prior to 2008. They allowed 246 rushing yards on the ground to opposing offenses and 30 38 rushing touchdowns to uh, opposing offenses. That was th- through 12 games, 3.1 per game. Look for Nebraska to pound the football between the tackles, control the time of possession. I'm not sold on Oregon. I don't. Everybody, every analyst I saw said they're eight and four this year. He's going to turn it around. Yes, Willie Taggart is the right coach to turn around the program. He does not have his type of personnel to run his type of type of schemes like he had in South Florida with a physicality on the offense and defensive lines. And for me, that's the difference in this ballgame. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take time. I agree with you. I like the hire. I, I think this team could be dangerous this season because of the return of Royce Freeman. Justin Herbert played as a true freshman, showed flashes last year. Now he's a sophomore. Terrell Crosby, the offensive tackle, I think he's a next-level blocker, missed most of last season. Now he's back. So I think they trend in the right direction. But to be giving 14 points to 
a pretty good Big Ten football team, I, I think is overstating how fast Oregon is making a regroup. So I think this is a battle for four quarters. I think it's a competitive game. And again, watch the offensive talent of Nebraska. Defense is a wreck, but the offense love Tanner Lee and really am beginning to warm up to Trey Bryant. Trey Bryant, the running back, he could go toe-to-toe with Royce Freeman, an interesting running back battle today. Makes Nebraska fans forget about Terrell Newby as well, I mean, from last year. Here's the thing I'll say about Oregon. Do you think they missed Darren Carrington in this ballgame? I mean, he's transferred out to Utah. Could that be a factor for the offense and Justin Herbert? Say what you will about Darren Carrington, and it would be correct. He makes a lot of bad off-field decisions, and if the kid wants to play on Sunday, he's got to get his act together. That Without we know. A doubt. But in terms of being able to stretch a defense, play above defensive backs, make plays in the passing game, Oregon doesn't have that true number one receiver right now. You know who does? It's Utah. He's still playing in the Pac-12, but he's not playing for Oregon. So I think it's an interesting game. I think it's an important game. The one thing I'll say is Mike Riley didn't have a lot of success in Eugene, but he understands that atmosphere. He understands the decibel level. He knows when he brings that Nebraska team up there, he has done this in the past. So this is not unfamiliar territory for the Nebraska head coach. Yeah, I think Nebraska wins this ballgame. I think anywhere 10, 13 points. You must uh, love them with I 14. Do. I, I just, wow. I, I'm not sold on the physicality of yeah. Oregon. I didn't see it last year, and that's the one thing about Willie Taggart that, you know, at Western Kentucky, he loved yeah. to pound the rock with Bobby He's a Rainey. Jim Harbaugh disciple. But exactly. Right. So that he doesn't have that type of physicality, and that's something that Oregon under Mark Helfrich did not have, and then coupled with the fact of you saw the offense take a step back last year, a different type of offense once Scott Frost moved on to become the head coach of UCF. Now you have another new offensive philosophy. Yes, he ran a five-wide system with Quinton Flowers, but it's a different offensive scheme with Justin Herbert, who's more of a prototypical drop-back passer. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's going to take some time. Willie Taggart wants his system in place He obviously inherits some nice players. He's going to work around those players. But right now, it's going to be kind of an apples and oranges. It's going to be a round something in a square peg sort of a fit. And I I think it's going to take time. I think this will be a competitive game uh, in Eugene. I have an analogy that I'm going to bring up about Oregon. You might not like it. Uh, Oregon's like the Ferrari. It's, it's, it looks nice until it hits the curb and it breaks into a thousand yeah, pieces. Yeah. That's, that's what Oregon does defensively. When they get hit in the mouth, they don't respond. And that's something that from a defensive perspective they haven't done in recent years. He'll get that out of them. But it's going to take some time. That's why the hire was made. Because philosophically, if you're Oregon, you know, you can win the Pac-12, which is great. If you want to take the next step and you want to be a true national championship contender, you want to get into the playoff and then take the next step and compete with the Big Tens and the SECs, you need to have more of the mindset that Stanford has had recently, which is that physicality at the point of attack. He doesn't have those players right now. So it's going to take some time. It's an important game for Oregon, and it's also an important game for Nebraska because Mike Riley, Bobby Diaco did not like the way that team performed last week, so they need to regroup and play better in week I two. I agree. So you like Nebraska, but you think I Oregon, re- win, you yes, think I Oregon do. wins. I yeah, think I, Nebraska wins. I think that's about a touchdown game. I, I, I think that this line is about seven points higher than it should be. You like them winning yeah, an hour. Yeah. You're going to be sitting on the sofa well, just you know, yeah, well, at I mean, halftime yeah, realizing well, you've got victory. I don't know about the sofa. I might be a 
at Rock and Riley still here watching all these games. Great place to watch a game. But I'll just say this about the matchup overall. A lot of people high on Oregon just because the talent is there. That doesn't mean anything. You have to coach that talent up, and it has to fit the type of philosophy that you're trying to instill there. And that's the difference why we disagree on that ball game. Rich likes Nebraska, but he thinks Oregon wins. Here's a, I know we're going to be bucking heads on this one. South Carolina will must champ that. Why? Because, because I had South Carolina. Low, yes, I had South low. Carolina last week, and you had NC State. Yes, I, and I was for, dead wrong. Forgive and I'll be the me first for reminding one to, uh, the audience first, of Jake that. Jake Bentley and the crew stepped Love up. Jake Bentley uh, played very well last yeah. week, but they now go to Columbia, uh, Missouri. This is a team that did not look good in Missouri in the early part of the game last week, but Drew Locke and the crew came on. He threw for seven touchdowns. This is my sleeper in the SEC East, Missouri. I picked them at seven and five overall. He's got a running back in Crockett and Jamon Moore, one of the best most underrated wide receivers in the conference. I think Missouri could possibly have the best offense in the SEC East, and they dominate today. Yeah, listen, I, we, we're not going to buck heads as much as you think because I like Missouri in this game because South Carolina is still a young team. They have struggled under Will Muschamp outside of Columbia, and I think they'll continue to have problems. My worry for the Gamecocks is when Missouri starts to score, as much as I like Jake Bentley, can South Carolina keep pace? This is not a high-powered offense. And if Missouri starts to put points on the board, I don't know if South Carolina is going to win in a track meet if it winds up becoming a track meet. Having said that, I'm not going to be as high on Missouri as you are because Missouri last year, the blueprint was against FCS and heavily underdog opponents, they averaged 50 points a game. Yep. Against the rest of the schedule, 19 points per game. So, yeah, I know they lit up Missouri State last week, record-setting for Drew Locke, seven touchdown passes. I don't think it's that type of a game. In fact, the the game, the bet that I like in this game is the under 74. Oh. Under 74 in this game because Missouri is going to now have to face a real defense, and that's going to be a problem. So I, I think this is game is played more in the 30s. I could see a 34-30 to 30 type victory for Mizzou. Well, I disagree. I think Missouri wins by double digits. I think it could be in the 60s for in that area. I think. Do you have anybody not winning by double digits today? Well, but there, you have everybody winning in a blowout. here's the thing. If you think... You, if You're going to discourage the audience a, from watching games. If the spread is three or seven points, do you expect them to win by eight points? I expect them to win by double digits. That's why I pick them. I'll say this about Missouri, though, and South Carolina. South Carolina allowed over 400 passing yards last week to NC State and Ryan Finley. This is a more explosive offense with Drew Locke at the helm. And to me, that's the difference. I'm not sold on Will Muschamp either. I know he got a great victory week number one. But his consistency, especially as a coach on the offensive side of the ball, is where I have concerns. And that's why I expect Missouri and Drew Locke to break through later today. But we're just getting started. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other games later on today. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns. Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Back on College Football today, live from Superdio 34, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello breaking down the top 25 battles later on today. You know, Rich, when I started this podcast, everybody kept asking me, who do you have this weekend? Do you like Clemson? Do you like Auburn? Do you like Georgia? Well, I can tell you this. Wherever you're going to bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And that's why I go to mybookie.ag. They're the best in the business. My bookie's been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do have 100% cash bonuses. So right off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, Rich, seriously, within two business days. You know who's going to win, right? MyBookie.ag, we're going to win because yeah. I'm, I'm going to take USC later on today. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend the service to my listeners that I think is good. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to 100% cash bonus. Use promo code COLLEGEGT. That's COLLEGEGT. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And if you take USC, <laughs> you go straight to mybookie.ag. You go straight to the poorhouse is where you're going to go if you're taking USC. You had me at uh, money for nothing, my friend. That's, uh, that to me is music to my ears, but not USC. Please, folks, if, well, if you want to be successful today, take Stanford in the points. You heard here first. I, I gave Georgia Tech, with the my bookie read last week, I gave Georgia Tech. They had Butch Jones. Tell me you weren't sweating last week when you were oh, watching that. it was a horrible pick by me. I had Tennessee. It was terrible. But I did tell you I was getting, I was getting a lot of trepidation. If, if they lost that game, not to get off to point here, but if Butch Jones and the crew lost yeah. that battle. What did I say to you? I said, that, I said to you last week, to Joe Lisi, there's going to be a miraculous finish again for Butch Jones, similar to the first support. half of 2016. He came off life support. You cannot succeed as a head coach on life support. At some point, he's got to find stability. He needs consistency. Consistency it's and got stability. to start at the quarterback position yeah. with Dormandy. I mean, Dormandy's fine. I just for some reason they can't stay healthy. They're just they don't look like an SEC. They team couldn't to stop me. the running yet yes, again. Exactly. I mean, that's a that's a concern heading Play into some SEC defense. Play. You're an SEC defense without a doubt. Act step like up. It. You look like it. Act now like you have it. to get hit in the mouth and step I was up and make disappointed plays. Disappointed by that effort. Very disappointing. Yeah. Well, let's turn our attention to the Holy War. It's Utah on the road in Provo against BYU. BYU got dominated last week, 27 to nothing against LSU. This is a Utah team that has won six of the last six. They're 6-0 and and have won those games over BYU by 10.5 points per game. Last year in Salt Lake City, Taysom Hill and the crew went for two. Did not get it. They're underdogs at home. They haven't looked good. Haven't ran the football consistently, but if you're going to get their best effort at all, it's going to come this weekend in Provo. I like them uh, later on You like on BYU. Today. I do. Bless, bless me, Father, for I have sinned Upset. in this holy war because I, I don't see it. I, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to complicate things. Uh, Utah simply has the better personnel, number one. They have the streak going, so they're in BYU's head. You mentioned six in a row, six holy wars in a row for Utah. 
And BYU, at first, I, I looked and I was like, eh, you know, Portland State, maybe they're keeping a lot of their bag of tricks in the bag for the LSU game. They were awful against LSU. And LSU was playing, what, like a dozen freshmen yeah. last week? They used the a lot of young none, players. Nonetheless. And BYU, correct me if I'm wrong, did not get past midfield in that game. They were horrible. They had six year. first downs. The one area where I thought BYU had a shot this season was at the point of attack with the offensive line. And without Arden Key on the LSU defense, they were completely dominated. So I don't like this BYU team. Utah has the young quarterback. That's my one concern. Tyler Huntley going into Provo. You're absolutely right. BYU, this is their Super Bowl. If they go to 0-3 and lose for the seventh straight time, I think you could basically pack it in. I'm not saying the kids are going to quit. But mentally, I think BYU will have no focus the rest of the way if they can't beat Utah. Well, they beat Portland State, so they'll be 1-2. and two if Forgive they, me. Right, right. Forgive but they me. just yep. haven't looked like the BYU team that lost four games last year by yep. a total of eight points. I mean, I think when you look at it overall, the offensive philosophy shift a couple of years ago. I mean, you're talking about T- uh, Taysom Hill. That was a dual-threat quarterback. And Ty Detmer, the offensive coordinator, he tried to get a lot out of him in terms of a pocket passer. He was only about a 54% quarterback in terms of completion percentage and I thought that Tanner Magum was a better prototypical drop back for that system. I agree. But their lack of Jamal Williams now, I mean the Squally Canada is a good back but it comes down to the offensive line play when you cannot run the football consistently third down and long situations you can't play action like you used to it puts your offensive line at a, a critical disadvantage. Listen, they still have a feisty defense at BYU, so I, I don't think there will be a ton of points, especially with Huntley being a, a freshman playing for Utah. But Zach Moss is a good running back for the Utes. Uh, we mentioned Darren Carrington already in the segment uh, for Oregon. I think he's the best offensive player in this game. And Utah consistently under Kyle Whittingham is very tough, very rugged at the line of scrimmage. Offensive line, defensive line, Kylie Fitz is back from injury. Latulale uh, is back as well. He'll be playing in the NFL. I think Utah just has better talent right now. I, I, I think they get out of Proto with, uh, Provo with a victory. And, and I think uh, BYU drops a second straight game. I, I think Utah's one of my best bets of the day. They they eerily mirror each other because both teams were 9-4 and four last year. Utah lost four games by a total of uh, 20 points overall. I mean, BYU 4-8. and eight. I, I think it does come down to quarterback play. I'm still not sold on Huntley, though. I, I, again, I know Zach Moss. He's still no Joe Williams yeah. in, in terms of that. And when you look at BYU's tendency, I mean, granted, they lost the last two games by a point last year, and in the Las Vegas Bowl, they fell behind 28 to nothing, but made a miraculous comeback in that ballgame to cut it to 35 to 28. This is a game, I mean, they understand what's at stake yeah. here. I think they step up. Again, I think the way you beat BYU is over the top. Their secondary is weak, especially in man-to-man coverage. So you would think that that would aid Utah and Carrington. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not sold on the consistency of the of the philosophy shift there as well, even though when you look at Utah's dominant victory last week. I've just seen nothing in the victory over Portland State, the loss to LSU. I've seen nothing that I've liked from Utah at this point. And again... You know, every year is different, but the trend is favoring Utah with the uh, six straight victories. I could see BYU pressing in this game because they absolutely need this victory. The program knows it. Kalani Sataki knows it. I think they're going to play a little bit tight. Utah will be loose. They're confident. They know they're the better program. So 
give me the Utes. Let's make it seven straight Holy Wars. Wow. Ooh, we're bucking heads. I mean, it's only been about two games that we've agreed on. And even We should have been wearing helmets. As much as we're bucking heads, <laughs> I think there's a CTE risk here for us. <laughs> well, we'll see how these games play out later. One of us will be smiling, that's for that's sure. And true. I think it'll be me because I had a bad week last week. But I'm, I'm looking to bounce back in a big way. I feel very, very confident in these games later on today. But, Rich, here's a, an intriguing game that... Houston Major Applewhite go on the road to Tucson. Rich Rodriguez and the crew. I mean, this is a team that was 1-7 in Pac-12 play last year. They have won 19 straight non-conference opponents, but it's not Kyle Allen, Duke Catalan, and Oliver on the defensive side of the ball. And the speed of Houston, I think they dominate this matchup. Yeah, the way I look at it, I, I agree with you. I, for, for once, I agree. I, I, I think Shocker. Houston gets the victory in Tucson. I, I think about it from two angles. Number one, Kyle Allen goes back home. He's a Scottsdale native, gets to play in front of his family, in front of his friends, uh, the former Texas A&M transfer, ballyhooed recruit. This is his opportunity under Major Applewhite to show that he belongs playing in a power five, uh, playing against a Power 5 opponent. And then, you know what, with Hurricane Harvey... And Houston not playing last week. I think this entire program just wants to get back to football. You know, you have a lot of kids from the Houston area, a lot of kids from Texas, a lot of uh, disruption with their families. I think they want this distraction of playing a football game for three or four hours. They want to hit somebody. They've been thinking about the destruction of Hurricane Harvey. I I think Houston comes out with a real, real sense of purpose against an Arizona team that I don't think either of us like. Brandon Dawkins can run the ball. Nick Wilson, their top back, is not 100%. He's banged up. I do not like the defense of Arizona. So I think the Catalan plus Kyle Allen, I think it's a good night for the Houston Cougars. And how about this? I'm not sold on Rich Rod. I put him on the no, hot seat. I mean, no. this is a guy that, you know, he comes with a lot of fanfare, and I feel like he, he brings up expectations in the first part, and then he caps out after. He did it with Tate Forcier and Michigan in Ann Arbor. He got you excited, and then after that, he just tailed off. Yeah. He did the same thing at Arizona. This was a 10-3 and team a few years ago that challenged Boise State in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, they won the South. And yeah. never really lived up to expectations, even on the recruiting angle. Now he lost a new Solomon. They're getting killed over recruiting. a Baylor. Yeah. Here's the thing about Arizona in this matchup. They're a one-dimensional team as far as I'm concerned. They rushed the Rock last, week, uh, last year for 235 yards on the ground. Only 13. Team passing touchdowns as an offense. You know Major Applewhite wants to start fast, and when you look at Oliver in that front seven, I mean, that's the matchup that I'm watching play out, and for me, I think I give the coaching advantage to Major Applewhite. I'm just not sh- sold on Rich Rod as a whole. couple of quickies. You mentioned the speed. Houston is always quick to the point of attack. Matthew Adams at the second level. Ed Oliver, obviously one of the top defensive linemen in the country. They will stack the box to stop the running game of Arizona, force Brandon Dawkins out of his comfort zone, force him to think more like a passing quarterback. In Arizona, I, I think Rich Rod, I agree with you. I think I think the next step for him, I think he'll continue to coach. He's still a relatively young guy, but you know, you know where he's going to be? 
I could see Rich Rod in the FCS level. Well, maybe would he take that type yes. of job? Yeah, and yeah, because who's going to hire him? Once Arizona fires him, which I think they'll do at the end of this season, he's not going to get a P5 job. He might get a Group of Five job. I could see him maybe in the FCS, though. Well, it's been a long cry. So I'm going to show my age since the days of Chuck Cecil and, mm. and Levy, the Arizona running back, Teddy, Teddy yeah. Bruski yeah. back in the day. I mean, Desert uh, you know, Swarm. Kevin Smith and Ortiz One of the great Jenkins back yeah. in the day. But, yeah, I agree with you. We'll see how that game plays out a little bit later. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network from Studio 34. friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell Greg Sussman say you. Final stretch run before kickoff. We were joined earlier in the show by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Gave us some intriguing selections in the big games along with Rutgers and Middle Tennessee State, which I agree with. (laughs) But Gabe, I got to pick your brain because I love Georgia later on today in South Bend. I think they get a double-digit victory over Brandon Winbush and the crew. You know what, Tom? I, uh, I actually paid the price uh, last week. I paid the price uh, last week uh, with the uh, with the Temple Owls uh, going into that uh, football game. And um, I think we can get it back uh, here with the Georgia Bulldogs as well tonight. I like the, the rushing attack that, uh, that Georgia can bring to the table here, guys, uh, with both Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Do you have a Georgia winning outright, Gabe, or are you thinking just the cover? And and are you concerned about a true well, freshman you know, quarterback in Jake Fromm? Uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting up to five points, uh, six points, and I apologize. Uh, my mic uh, just uh, tumbled over. <laughs> I'm too. I'm too excited. Too excited uh, for for the for kickoff uh, here. I tried to be slick and, and pull it back in at the same time, but you know I, I'm only so slick. But yeah, I'm going to take Georgia. I was hard. I I was. I was battling with this football game, guys. You know, Notre Dame looked so good last week against Temple, but this is a big step up in class. It's really too bad that Easton is out uh, of this contest. Uh, but Jacob Brom looked uh, he looked good enough uh, last week. Uh, you know, I know it was against that State. To me, you know, the fact is the Georgia defense. It's the Georgia defense. I think they can win the battle in the trenches, and I think the Georgia ground attack can churn it out enough. I think it's going to be a close game, Rich. I'm not going to call a Georgia money line uh, win here. I'd rather take the points, and I see we can get like five, five and a half, six uh, right now. So I'm going to pull the trigger with the Georgia Bulldogs in the big game tonight. Gabe, let's go from uh, touchdown Jesus to the holy war uh, out in Provo between Utah and BYU. What are you thinking about between those two longtime rivals? This is a tough football game, actually. Really, really tough. Like I said, I was in Vegas last Saturday night, and BYU were a trendy pick. Uh, last week, 
And, and we saw what happened. I think uh, I like the Utes in this contest. It's not one of my best, uh, one of my best bets, due to the fact that it is just such a big rivalry game. It's so early in the season, and it can go either way. Of course, you know you got the Cougars with home field advantage, but I'll pull the trigger with the Utes. What I will take a look at though, and with a Pac-12 matchup here, is the Ducks. And I wonder, I wonder if the Ducks are all the way back uh, right now. You know, it seems like a lot of points to be laying against the Nebraska Cornhusker team. Might be a little bit of an overreaction last week. Arkansas State are a decent uh, decent program, but I don't see how this game doesn't go over the number, guys. 68 and a half points. I think it's going to be a traffic between Herbert and Tanner Lee going up and down the field. You know, the Ducks aren't all the way back yet, but this will be a big statement game, of course, uh, with the, the heartbreaking loss last year. I remember that game like it was yesterday last year, guys, when Helfrich kept on going for two repeatedly, and it ended up costing him the football game. So it's a little bit of payback here, a little bit of revenge. I think the point spread's a little high in that game, uh, but I'm going to go with the total as opposed to a side there. I like over 68 and a half uh, between Nebraska and the Ducks. Gabe, I got to go with your heart here. It's an intriguing 12 o'clock kick. Cincinnati and Luke Fickle on the road in the big house against Michigan and Ann Arbor. Seems like a huge number, 35. Luke Fickle was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. He's got a senior quarterback in Hayden Moore and a nice running back in Mike Boone. I think they could keep this game close. Get your thoughts about this matchup. You know, I don't think they can, actually. And I think the fact that Luke Fickle is a head coach just adds a little bit of spice uh, to this. You know, I, I think Cincinnati's in a lot of trouble here today. And, Joe, we saw the suffocation of the Michigan defense last week against the Florida Gator team. What are the Cincinnati Bearcats going to be able to do against this defense? You know, especially at home, in the home opener. I think Wilton Spade's going to look a lot better. Uh, the, the offense, you know, Michigan's offense was kind of clunky and chunky. Uh, you know, last week. It wasn't efficient. It never really got into a rhythm. I think we'll see them get into a rhythm. And one thing with Harbaugh, he's never been shy. You know, cosmetically, you wouldn't figure Harbaugh would be the type of guy that would want to put 50 up on the board. But I think he would uh, put 50 up on the board if he can here against Luke Fickle. And to be honest with you, I'm comfortable. There's been some line movement here, too, guys. It's down to 32 and a half points uh, right now. Down to 32 and a half. I laid the wood with Michigan. I think Michigan win this football game 44-6. I'd be surprised if the Bearcats are able to score more than 10 points in this game. Gabe, uh, I, I think UCLA is one of the softer programs in the country. Got the big win Sunday night, a lot of hoopla, a lot of excitement. I can totally see UCLA uh, you know, tripping up and playing poorly and coming. At, and Joe and I agree on this one. I think Hawaii plus more than three touchdowns looks good. What say you? Getting to 23 and a half right now with Hawaii. And it's funny, remember last week I told you guys that UCLA and Texas A&M were mirror images of each other. And they were in the same football game. Both both boosters and both, both fan bases wanted both coaches fired in that game last week. And I agree with you, Rich. You know, I, there's sort of a perception. It's amazing how Rosen, oh, forget about Darnold. Now Rosen's the number one uh, pick overall. You know, the, the perception is, oh, look at that big comeback for UCLA. Well, my perception from that football game was the UCLA Bruins can't tackle. And, you know, it's, it seems to be a common theme, even in the professional ranks uh, right now, because they don't, they don't tackle anymore in practice. But I think it's too many points as well with a Hawaii team. This isn't a big road trip for them. People were concerned about the big trip uh, to, uh, to Boston earlier in the year. It's UMass, and we like them. Uh, ironically enough, last week, guys, they were favored by 23. They won by 23. And it depends on when you got in. <laughs> 
because it was about 21 and a half, 22 in the late night bailout game last week. But, you know, we know about Hawaii struggles on the road. We also know that Los Angeles is pretty much the closest trip that Hawaii could possibly be making. I think there's too many points on the, uh, too many points that they're giving in. I love the over. I have this on my list, guys. I got, uh, I got eight late uh, best bets here. And I'll tell you what, Hawaii and UCLA over 63 and a half is one of them. I don't see, uh, I think UCLA are going to get into the mid-40s, I hear. And Hawaii should be able to, you know, get into the high 20s as well. Give me the underdog and give me the over in that football game. Yeah, I agree with you, Gabe. I mean, I have them winning their share of the Mountain West Conference. I want to stay within the Mountain West. I know you like this team. Love him as a head coach in Rocky Long. Rashad Penny, 197 rushing yards last week. They go up now to Tempe. A suspect Arizona State defense. We talked about it a couple of shows ago. I think the trend continues. We spoke about it, but I want, I want to get your thoughts about San Diego State. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of line movement. The so-called uh, so-called sharks are all over the Aztecs. I think because you and I gave it away earlier in the week, uh, Joe. <laughs> and props to you last week for the uh, the degenerate special in which you gave everybody. I called myself a DJ, but don't tell Lisi short. I got to tell you, you gave us the Aggies, New Mexico State, and man, we saw New Mexico State go up and down the football field in that football game. It's actually a good thing. There's only 60 minutes in the game because uh, they just sort of ran out of time. Uh, they were able to, to pass the football at will. They had some lot of success on the ground as well. Uh, Arizona State's defense, very, very suspect, uh, guys. And, you know, we've talked about San Diego State. San Diego State are sort of a poor man Stanford. And it's interesting that they're playing each other next week. But there's not a lot of teams on the West Coast that play that smash mouth style football. The San Diego State Aztecs do. I think it's a bad matchup uh, for uh, uh, for the Sun Devils. I really wish, though, that San Diego State wasn't playing Stanford next week. But, look, Stanford's got USC uh, tonight. It's going to be a big game, especially if SDSU can get this done tonight, which I think they can. I think it's a lack of respect to the San Diego State program um, here, but it's sort of even itself out. Earlier in the week, it was five, five and a half. And the betters quickly have bet that down. It's been sitting at three for the last 48 hours or so. And it's sitting at three strong right now. San Diego State, I think, wins this game outright, guys. I think they run the ball down uh, ASSU's throat. I think they make enough plays. I think Wilkins will turn the ball over uh, a couple of times tonight. It's a big game uh, for the San Diego State program. I think they're able to get it done. And, and honestly, they probably, you know, they know how tough they are against Stanford now. They believe that they'll be able to win this football game. We've seen San Diego State step up big. They stepped up big in a bowl game against uh, Houston, as we've seen in Cincinnati in the bowl game a couple of years ago. But then they lose to the South Alabamas of the world. I think they, you know, they got to get one of these two Pac-12 games. And the Stanford game is going to be tough to get, even though it's in San Diego next week. So, you know, I think they, they understand that. I think they win the game outright, guys. Give me the Aztecs tonight. Gabe, it's always a pleasure when you come on. We wish you the best of luck this week. We'll be talking next week about your best plays. Anything uh, quickly, one more game you want to give out? Yeah, I'll go rapid fire here. I don't see how Baylor's going to bounce back from the situation that we're in last week after losing to Liberty. Give me the Roadrunners, beep, beep, uh, beep, beep, all the way to the book and all the way to the bank. Give me the 15 and a half points. I like the over in that uh, football game as well. Great information from Gabe Morenci. I mean, he he split the tie. He likes Hawaii with us. I I, I agree I with him. I think we all did. Yeah. That's, that, that 
could that move the line? I'm not actually? sold on Josh Rosen. Though. I mean, listen, again, I, I everybody, like, they're been, all in on Josh Rosen. Put I've been it all out, in. And listen, if, if you watch the first three quarters, he didn't look that no. great. He finished strong. Kudos to Josh Rosen. Put the team on his back. It was exciting. I think that could be the peak of the season for UCLA. I think they'll look yeah. back. I don't see a preponderance of talent. No. I don't see a preponderance of heart. And, you know, listen, Hawaii is a game program. Right. To Gabe's point, it's not that long of a trip. They're getting more than three touchdowns. I think they'll cover that spread. Yeah, if you cannot shut down the run, especially in the Pac-12, you're not going to win consistently. They were 3-3 three and three with Rosen in the lineup last year. I think they're a 500 team this year as well. Quick game that we didn't touch on. I like Boston College today in Chestnut Hill over Wake Forest. They won four of the last seven over the Demon Deacons. These games have been traditionally very, very low scoring, and they did get the victory in Salem. I like BC over uh, over Wake in this ballgame. Key game for both programs as they look to get to bowl eligibility in November. When we come back, Rich and I will be giving you our best bets for the weekend. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Rapid fire selections right now. Rich and I are going to go through our six best plays for the weekend. We start with Clemson and Auburn. Rich, I really think it's the speed of Clemson, not just at the wide receiver position, but the defense. They get it done by a double-digit victory over the Auburn Tigers later today. Yeah, we agree. Uh, That is one of my six best bets. I like Clemson at home, and I expect a good performance from Kelly Bryant. Dominating. I think they dominate later tonight. I'm not sold on the Gus bus. Iowa, Iowa State. Matt Campbell, Jacob Park, Upset City, baby. 38-31 over the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I I like Iowa. That's actually one of my six as well. I think Iowa uh, goes into Jack Trice Stadium and beats Iowa State. Better line play out of Iowa. Tougher along the offensive and defensive line. I'm going to go in the SEC. I like Drew Locke. I like the speed of Crockett and Jamon Moore at the wide receiver position. They get it done at home over Will Mouschamp, and I think they dominate from a speed advantage. I also expect a very high-scoring game. Missouri gets it done by double digits later today. Yeah, I I think Missouri wins. I'm not as confident as you. That is not a best bet of mine. I, I, I think just a little more offense. South Carolina, although they won last week traditionally, has struggled on the road. I'll take Missouri, but without the same confidence that you have. But you're all in on Nebraska. Yeah. And my, but yeah. not to win, just to cover the yeah. big number Listen, later today. I, I think we all have agreed. I mean, I even heard that in Gabe's voice, too, that two touchdowns, nearly two touchdowns to Nebraska, a team that can score and move the ball. None of us are sold on the Oregon defense. I think that's going to take time 
Too many points. Nebraska, one of my six best bets. My absolute master lock for the weekend, Clay Helton, Sam Darnold, dominate Stanford later today. Yeah, I don't understand the confidence. I mean, having watched them against Western Michigan, and listen, I like USC, have a great respect for their quarterback and their overall talent, but I think the muscle of Stanford is going to be too much for USC. I, I like the Cardinal winning outright so give me those points that is one of my best bets sony michelle nick chubb way too much and the speed of georgia especially on the defensive line the their ability to run sideline to sideline for me is the difference not sold on the front seven for notre dame georgia gets a convincing 31 17 victory over notre dame later today pivotal game for both programs important for georgia important for notre dame and brian kelly i just think better quarterback play Brandon Wimbush versus the rookie Jake Fromm. I say the balance of Notre Dame outplays Georgia. I think it's close. I'll take Notre Dame, but I don't feel great about it. Well, here's a game that you're very high on. It's Penn State and Trace McSorley going up against Pittsburgh and Pat Narduji. I think this game is closer than people think, but you love Penn State later today. Yeah, I do. I don't like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh has some issues on defense. Max Brown is not going to be the right quarterback. Penn State is trending in the right direction. The combination of Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, those big wide receivers on the outside. I think Penn State gets revenge for last year. They could win this one by 27 or 28 points. We'll see how that game plays out. It's a 3.30 kick in Happy Valley later today. The game is played on ABC. Here's a very intriguing game. I'm all over it. Arkansas, TCU. TCU ranked 23rd in the country. I think they have the wrong team favored and more importantly wrong team ranked in this matchup look for the big uglies of the offensive line play of arkansas to dominate this matchup a finesse defense in tcu double digit victory by arkansas Joe, the odds makers know something that we don't or we're ignoring which is tcu has the better defense they go into fayetteville pull the upset i know it arkansas wins sue piggy and you like the holy war the utes to get it done over byu seventh in a row i, I am not sold on byu this is an important game for them. I just don't think they have the talent, especially on offense, to match up with Utah and that rugged defense. Give me Utah seven straight holy wars. Well, I think if you're going to get BYU's best effort, it comes later today. It's do or die for this team overall because I can't see BYU bouncing back if they lose this ball game. so expect them to be up for it. For Rich Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games and don't forget, stay classy. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.